so tender never was love so strong even in his surrender his love would carry on and as his heart was And as he hung there dying, he was giving us life. So when you are tired and empty, when you can't run any longer, he'll take you to the finish. Cause his love is stronger Never was love so humble Never was love so brave The chains of death all crumble as love rolled the stone away and as he reigns in glory he's still mending lives and when your heart is dying he can give you new life can't run any longer he'll take you to the finish cause his love is stronger take my hand as I take his we will finish together Holding on to his every word, his promise is forever and ever. When you're tired and empty, when you can't run any longer, he'll take you to the finish. When his love is stronger got a little off up there somewhere I couldn't hear the music but I just kept singing we caught up together somewhere in there <laughs> y'all find first Corinthians in chapter 9 and uh, I'm gonna turn this over so I don't preach it backwards Is that okay <laughs> first Corinthians chapter 9 you know where we've been Paul the Apostle uh, this is just a beautiful passage and it's very difficult to preach because uh, as the pastor does preach this, it talks about the pastor. And so uh, it can seem self-serving, and Paul even knew that. So in the text, you're going to see Paul says, I'm not telling you this so that you'll do these things uh, other than that you're supposed to do those things. But Paul's saying, I'm not doing this to get favor from you or to get gifts from you. I'm doing this because this is what you're supposed to do. Now, as I first start this, you're going to see we, we looked last week we looked at Paul's argument, and Paul's basic argument, basically Paul the Apostle in the first up to 
uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. I went to verse A, 12A, and stopped. We're going to start at 12B today. But Paul said last week, basically Paul says, uh, I'm an apostle. I have authority, and I could demand these things from you. Paul says, are we as apostles? Uh, Paul was speaking of himself and, and Barnabas and the other men who were with him, his friends. He says, don't we have a right to take a wife? Don't we have a right to have food and water? In, in other words, Paul was saying, the churches should take care of me because I'm doing the mission work. And so I'm going to share some very unique and personal and, and hopefully for you heartfelt things as you understand what we're doing as far as mission work and things of that nature. But someone has to fund the ministry. Paul also guards against the swindlers and things of that nature. So Paul does all of that, and then when he, he speaks of the rights and authority, uh, we're in chapter 8, 9, and 10, that little section where Paul is talking about uh, honoring God with our bodies. And here we, we were talking about an illustrated life that a person who has honored God with their body. And so we're looking basically here at the example. And so last week Paul says, here's my argument. I have a right to demand these things from you because I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm doing the work of God. And by the way, the New Testament that you have in your hand right now, the reason that you have that is because of Paul the Apostle. <laughs> About 75 or 80% of the New Testament was written those letters that Paul wrote to those churches. And so you have that. We wouldn't have what pastor's preaching today if Paul hadn't written to the church in Corinth to solve these problems. And so Paul says, I'm out here doing this, and I need your support. And so Paul made that argument. But then Paul comes not only with his argument, he gives his example. And so the second point to this sermon is Paul says this in, in chapter 12, uh, chapter 9, verse 12. He said, however... We have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you know that those who perform the temple services eat the food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the offerings of the altar? You get where Paul's going. Paul says, I could demand this from you, but I didn't do that. Wow. It's unbelievable. So Paul says, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living from the gospel. So you see why this is very uncomfortable for me this morning. But it's here, and, uh, you know, the thing with lost people is, well, the pastor's always preaching about money. No, I never preach about money. I just preach through books of the Bible, and when it comes up, we deal with it. And that's the best way to do it. So you can see it actually in context. So I hope I, through the next couple of messages, you're going to see some passages you've not you've you've know of and you've quoted them out of context. I want to help. I really do want to help you with that. But Paul says, "But I have used none of these rights, and I have not written this to make it happen that way for me." Paul says, "I'm not doing this just so you'll just say, oh, we forgot to give money to Paul. Let's send him some money.'" which they should have done anyway. But they, but Paul's saying, "I didn't do that. I'm trying to teach you as the churches." how to handle this for it would be better for me listen right here for it'd be better for me Paul says to die than for anyone to deprive me of my boast Paul says I'm not for sale and you can't say that Paul came into our town and built us out of a bunch of money Paul said not not going that God God I didn't come in and beg for money and so Paul says I would rather die I'm preaching the gospel for free for you for if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast because an obligation is placed on me. And woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if unwillingly, I am entrusted with a stewardship. Now, Paul, I'm going to stop right there, and hopefully we're going to get to that point right there. I think this is so unique, but Paul says we didn't use our rights. Now, I want to tell you, I wanted to show you the video, and I didn't save it. And I couldn't find it, and so I just quit looking for it. So I just, I guess the Lord just didn't want you to see this crazy joker. But I was watching a video of Jesse Duplantis uh, earlier during the week. This man is a heretic. He's a swindler. And this is what Paul's talking about. And forgive my, me being a little crass, but I call these people gospel pimps. They're prostitutes of the gospel. And so Jesse was bragging, literally, to the people to whom he's preaching, he's bragging. 
that his house is the house in their neighborhood that costs more than anybody else's. And by the way, he has 25 houses. And he has just recently asked his church for $54 million to buy a jet. And he takes out, he says, you know how much this, you know how much this suit costs right here? I don't wear cheap stuff. Pulled out his wallet. You know how much my wallet costs right here? He's literally doing this in a sermon while he should be preaching the word of God. He's telling, listen, how ridiculous can people be? How ignorant can they be? That the man who's stealing their money is bragging to the people that he's taking the money from, and they're just, amen, hallelujah. And, and then he's saying, to, he's saying to them, if you believe it, you can have it. Well, I want to tell you, no, you can't. Unless there's some crazy people giving it to you, you're not going to have it. And I want to tell you, that's not a shepherd. That's not an apostle. And so this passage is very important to me. And I promise you, you won't hear Joel Osteen preaching this unless he misuses the text and uses it to take advantage of people to say, See, I told you you're supposed to give me money. Paul says, I have a right as an apostle to ask you to help me do the ministry that God's called me to do. But I forfeit that right. I'm a tent maker, and I'm going to do the work of the ministry. Now, I want to tell you, it's very important to me that we do that. Those who take advantage of the sheep are the worst in the world. Paul set aside his personal authority because he loved the gospel of Jesus Christ so much. And the pastor cannot be a hireling. The pastor cannot be cheap. And I just love this. But the shepherd is the leader. He's the protector of the sheep. He's not a, a pensionary. He's not a swindler. And he's not a con man. And you can cut on your TV this afternoon and go all up to the, you know, get in the right spot on the cable, and I call them the heresy channels, and you can listen to all this foolishness. And they'll tell you, well, if you send me $100, God will give you a hundredfold back. Well, no, he won't because God doesn't bless stupidity. Why don't you send him a letter and say, you send me $100, and God will bless you a hundredfold. The gospel on Paul's mind was the first and foremost thing in the mind of Paul. Whatever a man does, he is not to hinder the ministry of the gospel. Being greedy and lazy is not the work of a minister, a shepherd of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I should have got something right there, but I didn't. But In verse number 13, the key word there is the word work. It's the word ergon. He says, do you know that those who work in the ministry and serve at the temple make their living from the temple? The Levites were the people with, about whom Paul is speaking. The Levites and the priests did not get a, a lot. They did not get any land. So they took care of the temple. Now, we don't have a temple, but, and things have really changed since Paul the Apostle uh, became the minister. Paul's job was the gospel ministry. A modern-day pastor has to do all kinds of things because people expect that of him. We're paying you, so, you know, you have to do everything. Now, listen, I've never complained about doing anything that I've had to do because God called me to do it. And you can't rob me of my boast, as Paul says. But we're supposed to work. Unfortunately, the, the, the ministry is a hiding place for people that are lazy. Now, I might not do what you think I ought to be doing, but I know what my job is. Y'all all right? And you know what my job is because you hear it every Sunday. But this didn't just accidentally happen. <coughs> Everybody all right? This is the way it's supposed to be. Now, it's capitalism. I like that because, see, see I, I work for Jesus, and then I get paid, and some people would say, well, Pastor, we pay you. No, you don't. God pays me said, I don't work for you, I work for him. If y'all get tired of me, you can get up enough folks to run me off, and that's okay too, but I'm still going to do my calling. If you fire me, my calling doesn't go anywhere. I'm still going to serve Jesus. Y'all all right? And so th this is the way it works. And he says, I love this phrase. Paul says, don't you know? Paul says, don't you know? Some churches have the attitude that, well, this is, um, their job is to keep the preacher poor, and God can keep him humble. You don't want a poor preacher because then he can't take care of his family. He can't do what he's supposed to do. So my heart, I'm telling you, when I read like 2 Timothy, the last chapter, and Paul says, everyone has forsaken me. The man of God that did everything for all the churches, and here we are many hundreds, thousands of years later, and we owe our scripture and everything else that we're doing to the apostle Paul for what he's done. 
And so here are these Levites, and so that's what Paul is talking about. I can go back in the Old Testament, Paul says, and I can tell you that you're supposed to take care of me, but I'm not going to let you do that because I know that some people are going to say, oh, look what we did for him, and they'll hold it against you. And I've told you from the pulpit before that if someone tries to give me gifts, I am so grateful. Every time people do things for me, I just stop and pray for them, and, and it's, it's just fantastic. Many times I come, I do business with my people, and you all you always give me a discount and things, but I never ask for a discount. Matter of fact, when I do things with people, I say, charge me exactly what you charge everybody else. If you eat lunch with me, I'll be the first person to buy your lunch. Everybody's always trying to buy the pastor's lunch. I'll buy your lunch. Y'all all right? The pastor ought to be the one leading out, showing people. But people won't let me do it many times. I said, no, I ask you to lunch, I'm buying your lunch. I said, fantastic. But I just get so labored with preachers who are always poor-mouthing. And every time something breaks at their house, they're all over Facebook. Well, something broke, I don't know what we're going to do. Knowing good and well that somebody's going to see it and say, Pastor, I'll replace that for you. I mean, good grief. He's supposed to be leading out, and, and you want to, this is a two-way street. The church should take care of their pastor, as Paul says. Look at verse 14. Paul is teaching here, uh, this, this teaching is backed up by the Scripture. It's okay to earn a living from the preaching of the gospel. It is. It's scriptural. He says it right here in our text. But it says, there shall, in Deuteronomy 18, there shall, they shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is the inheritance as he promised them. See, the pastor does have an inheritance. His is just going to be a little bit later on. God's going to pay him back. And so you say, I, I knew a guy who was here, and I'm not going to mention his name really this time, but he had a pastor that stayed in their church for like 45 years, and it was a big church, and he stayed there for 45 years, and when he retired, they were paying him $70,000. That's it. And he said, that's the greatest regret of my life, that we just about starved my pastor. Now, some of you would say, well, $70,000? you got to remember, here's a pastor who has no retirement, no, he has no stock options. He doesn't have anything. When he retired, he had whatever he saved. Y'all all right? And he stayed there for like 45 years and built this enormous church. They had more money than that. They, they should have been ashamed of themselves. And if I called that pastor's name, you'd know him. And I want to tell you, he was a fine, fine man. He was a good man of God. But his people let him down. And this man knew that. But Deuteronomy 25, 4 says, don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. Y'all know what that means? You can't starve your preacher. You can't starve people that are doing things. And so, uh, for instance, if you come to my house and work, I always do this. If you come to the church and work for free, and you're doing stuff for the house of God, we provide you lunch while you're here working. Y'all all right? Some people say, well, they can buy their own lunch. I say, no, the Bible says don't muzzle the ox that's treading out the corn. There's people that do things here that would cost us a ton. I can buy you some pizza. Y'all all right? Amen? We can buy some pizza. It's about faith and what God is doing. Listen, in verse 15, Paul chose to give up those rights, though, so as not to deprive, to be deprived of his glory. Nobody controlled Paul the Apostle. And here's the problem. Preach this or we won't pay you. Y'all ever heard that? Don't like what you're preaching. And I've heard people just want, they just want to get rid of their preacher. They don't like him. He's preaching the truth many times. And I've been blessed here because I preach the truth. And if I don't, y'all would run me off. You see, I, I got it made. I, I'm good to go. Nobody controlled Paul with money. Do this or we won't pay you. The preacher's still employed by God, though. You remember that? And one of the greatest things, and let me just teach you this, one of, the, one of the things that causes so much trouble in our churches is the lay people don't understand that, that the preacher works for Jesus. See, and he, there's some things he can't compromise on. And I agree that there's things that the pastor needs to compromise on. He doesn't need to be a dictator. He doesn't need to be forceful and mean and ugly. But, uh, this, and, and this is my pulpit, by the way. I'm the one who says who can get in here, nobody else. Because, see, your protection is my responsibility. Y'all all right? And I don't let hirelings get in here. There's been times that we didn't know it and somebody got in here and they said things that were inappropriate and I had to correct them when they were gone. But don't think for a second that if somebody got up and were allowed to preach and they preached improperly while they were doing it, I'd jerk them out of the pulpit right then during the service. I don't want to, but I would. Amen? If you use the pulpit inappropriately, I, it's because I have someone watching me. Y'all all right? 
Well, he wasn't going to get paid anyway. So you see what Paul says, I'm not getting paid anyway, so I'm not, I'm not sold out to you because I'm going to do what God told me to do because you're not paying me anyway. <laughs> Paul says, I gave up those rights. I'm going to take care of myself. And so, But that, that relationship is a sacred relationship that the pastor has with Jesus Christ. The preacher is never to be blackmailed. And I can say with a clear conscience, and I love this, for 35, 40 years, ever how long I've been doing this, I have never asked for a raise. Never. I will ask for my staff, but I have never asked for a raise for me. Never. Because, and, and see, listen, a lot of pastors are like that. And they wonder, why did my pastor leave? Most times, the pastor, and those of you listening by way of the Internet, if you can't keep a preacher and they keep rolling through, it may be because you're starving him to death. They don't give them enough money. Now, and, and he's got to make it, he's got to make ends meet, or he can't serve the church. Y'all all right? Or he may be there for years and years and years and never get a raise. And so I will ask for people that are around me. Uh, I, here's what I want to do. I want to let the deacons and personnel in the body of Christ see my passion for what I do, my love for the church, my work ethic, my preparation. And the shepherding skills that I have will, will speak for me. And then the responsibility is upon you. And that's what Paul did. Paul says, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do it for Jesus. And I'm moving, and I'm moving on from there. So it, it's not right to put the pastor in a position to have to ask for more money. Did you hear that? It, it is terrible for a church to do that to their pastor. Most times, he won't ask for money. He'll just move to another field. Y'all see why this is getting into the nitty-gritty. It's tough for a pastor to preach this. So if you think, well, I don't like what you're preaching, Brother Jerry, you ought to try to preach it <clears throat> when you're the pastor. But now watch how special it is. This is absolutely beautiful. I want you to go to this passage, Philippians chapter 4. I want to show you something so beautiful. This makes me want to sit down and cry. I'm not kidding you. Once you think about where Paul the Apostle was and how this worked out and what I just said to you and what he said to the, to the Corinthian church, you're going to see what the Philippian church did. <clears throat> I think Paul makes it very clear what his calling was. Paul says, Jesus is my boss. He also made it clear what his principles were. He said, I won't, I won't compromise. Now, look in uh, Philippians 4. Look in verse 14. <clears throat> now, watch this. He said, yes, it was good of you to share in my troubles. When I translated the book of Philippians when I was in seminary, and I really, it, was for the, it was one of the first times that I really saw the importance of context. It just really hit my heart. And notice how Paul, with what I've said, this context. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving <clears throat> except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in, in need. I'm telling you, one day the churches, Galatians, Colossians, uh, all these churches where Paul went on his missionary journey, and Paul said not one church shared with me in the gospel ministry. This was the greatest apostle, evangelist, Christian since Jesus himself was on earth. God used this man to change the entire world, and it's still happening today. And the only church that got credit for helping the great apostle was the church in Philippi. <clears throat> I mean, goodness gracious. Now, put this with us. Put it in our lap. When I told you last week that we had money, $7,000, to send our missionaries, I want to tell you my heart was elated because I had been in the book, you know, and then I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, these missionaries are doing kingdom work and they are relying upon us. And we're giving certain percentages of our budget for that. And you want to know why? Sometimes people say, boy, God has just blessed Woodlake. I'm going to tell you why. That's why right there. Because we don't just selfishly pull in the tithes and offerings. If we've got something a little bit extra, we just take care of us. No, there's people that are counting on us. We've got missionaries that have to, I mean, uh, the Brown family in Burkina Faso, they have to collect their water on the roof. And then we, we complain like a bunch of crybabies about everything. 
Man, I get to complaining sometimes and thinking, Lord, this ain't right. I could do this and this if I had that. And, I'm about to do that. and the Lord's like, good grief. Dallas and them are doing Sunday school on a dirt floor. Y'all all right? The Brewskis have to fight the government. And when you send something to them, it goes through customs. You got to go pay customs off. And by the time you get it, something that costs $20 is $500. But they need it. And Paul says, listen, and then watch what he says. He says, verse 17, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I've received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I've received your gift from Epaphroditus. The gifts you sent, they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There's the passage and there's the context. We say, oh, well, God supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Not if you're shopping like a maniac and spending all your money. The context of that passage is this, that we're doing God's business. I have never felt that giving my tithes to the church and giving to missionaries was a waste of money because I know good and well it's going to come back. Y'all all right? This is not a magic bullet passage. God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Not according to your will, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He supplies your need. And you'll be surprised when we really get down to it what a need actually is. <laughs> Listen to me. If you're old enough to have remembered this, some of our older folks, do you remember ever having to sharpen your razors to shave your face? Lane said yes, so there's my backup right there. I bought, got, I got a razor at home. I just bought was $26. I got five packs, and on each razor's got five razors and a slippery thing, so it slides across my face real nice. Have y'all ever shaved one of those little big razors? You're not shaving. You're just jerking the hair out. You, you see, and then here I am in the shower, man. I'm just shaving away. I'm just like, you know, goodness gracious, I could shave a buffalo with that thing. It's so sharp. I'm telling you, and then you said, boy, I, you know, I got all these needs. Good grief, how awesome is that? Anybody had a hot shower this morning? I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't be standing here without that hot shower. Hot water is a good thing. And we just whine and complain. Think, now Paul's going from place to place to place to place. He's not, he's not taking a value crash. He's not taking delta. He's walking or riding a horse or a camel. And he's going from place to place, and he, he needs... Hygiene items or whatever, washing by the river, wherever he's at. And Paul is concerned with the ministry. In verse 15, here in our text, and in Philippians 4, 17, Paul says, I'm not saying this so that you'll help me. I just want you to know, thank God for you, church in Philippi. God meets our needs in ministry. Paul says that he would rather die than lose the ability to boast as he preaches the gospel for free. I ain't doing that, so y'all just get over that, so. <clears throat> you want to know what kind of guy Paul was? In 1 first, in first Corinthians 16, we're going to get to this. Now, now concerning the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of the week. Every one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with the income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will, I will send letters of introduction to the men you approve, and we will send your gifts to Jerusalem. In Galatians 2, 9 and 10, James, Peter, John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized that the grace of God was in me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and, and they to the Jews, and they, and they asked, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the, the very thing that I was eager to do. When you read through the, the epistles of Paul, one thing that's in almost every one of the letters in Philippians and, and here in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about everywhere he went. He says, listen, before I get there, take up some money, and we're going to send an offering to the poor Jews in Jerusalem. The Jews in Jerusalem were coming under the grace and the, the salvation message of Jesus Christ, and many of them were poor. And here Paul is, the apostle, has no churches ministering to him. And what is he doing? He's taking up money for the poor Christian Jews in Jerusalem. Yeah. When young preachers 
in seminary, get out of seminary, and they graduate, what do you think they want to do? First thing they want to do is get a job. Man, they're ready to go. They know everything. They're ready to go. And you just don't jump in like that and go. You got to find somewhere to go. And they're all complaining in the seminary. No, I just can't find a spot. Can't find a spot. Can't find a spot. And it wasn't but a couple of days later, Dr. Rogers came and Dr. Adrian Rogers preached a message from our chapel. And he just, he didn't know all this was going on. Everybody's about ready to graduate. And he said, listen, quit looking for a spot and fulfill your calling. Did God call you to preach? Then preach. You go get on the street corner and start sharing Jesus. And I promise you, God will get you a spot. Y'all all right? When I came into this area many years ago, my wife, a physician, she went. We, I helped her get her medical practice started. But when I came here, guess what I did? I joined the church. I got busy. Guess what? I worked so hard, and here I was, a trained pastor, working in that church for free. And then the people said, hire this guy. Y'all all right? Hire him. And then I began to work with the church. Guess what? They hired me part-time. I made uh, $600 a week, $600 a week. And uh, I worked, was supposed to work 30 hours. That's what I was going to work. How many hours do you think I worked? I worked 60 hours. I was getting after it. Guess what? Wasn't long they put me on full-time. They said, this man is crazy. Okay? And then I started working harder and harder and harder and harder. And then it, it wasn't long that God says, hey, time to start a church. We started the church. We got out, moved on. Guess where we are today? Still working hard. Now, I'll tell you something. Something just disturbs me all I can do. We, we've got Baptist churches now. We're having conferences for Baptist churches for artificial intelligence. Now, I know some of you work in that field. I don't want to step on your toes, but I'm going to tell you something. The preachers are already talking about I can hit a button and flip me a message out. And I want to tell you, go back to where I started this message. Paul says, work, work. Artificial intelligence does not know he was going to be here this morning. I want to tell you I believe in sacred preparation. When I go in my office, I shut the door and I tell my staff, and I've told them before, don't interrupt God. If the door's cracked, you can come in. Knock and come in. If it's shut, don't bother me. Because I'm talking to Jesus, and I'm talking about what Jesus wants me to know for you on Sunday morning. It's called sacred preparation. And we've got some lazy, cotton-picking preachers out today that are hitting a button and running their messages out. And in 1 Corinthians, do you all remember what I preached in verse 18 and following? The Lord says, Paul quotes Isaiah 29 where he says, I will destroy the wisdom of man. I will destroy the intelligence of man. And I want to tell you, I don't care what anybody else says about this passage, but the Holy Spirit of God in my life. And then when it's done, I'm going to bring it to you, just like he gave it to me. And Paul says, if you pay me, you pay me. If you don't, you don't. Look at verse 16. And here's what Paul says. No matter what takes place, I want you to know, the pastor preacher puts his life into the hands of God and he prays someone will do what's right by him. But he says, if you don't, I will keep doing what I'm called to do whether I got a spot or not. Y'all all right? Verse 16, how beautiful is this? For if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast because an obligation is placed upon me and woe to me. Can I tell you something? It was laid upon me. The word means necessity is laid upon me. It means to impose or to impress, to press down. The, the word for necessity is anak key. Anak key. It's the, the English word angle. Now, it's a necessity. How many of y'all got straight arms? Straighten it out. Look at it. It's still not straight. And it's got an elbow right in the middle of it. Amen? So can y'all imagine drinking coffee without a bend in your arm? As much as y'all like coffee, some of y'all be trying. It's the word necessity. Angles are a necessity. And Paul says, this was a necessity that was laid upon me. 
Uh, we, can you imagine living without bending your arms? It's a necessity. And Paul said, it was upon me. And Jeremiah got frustrated. And Jeremiah was reaching out to God's people, and they wouldn't listen. They were rebellious. They were that clay that was so hard you couldn't mold it. They wouldn't do anything. And, and Jeremiah says, Lord, I'm sick and tired of being ridiculed. I'm tired of them throwing rocks at me. I'm tired of them putting me in a pit. As hard as I've preached and as mean as people have ever been to me, I ain't never been put in a pit. And Jeremiah says, I ain't preaching anymore. I'm done with this. Not going to do it. I quit. And then he comes back in the next verse. He says, I couldn't do it. I got a fire in my bones. Something deep down inside of me has got me all stirred up. And the Lord says in Hebrews 5, 1 through 4, the last part of it says, only God can choose a priest, and God is the one who chose Aaron. I'll tell you, you didn't choose me. My mama didn't choose me. My mama didn't call me. This is not a job. I don't come here because I want to. I don't come here because I love it. I come here every day, and I come to preach the Word of God to you because the Son of God called me to, and he laid a burden on my heart. And he put, Have you ever heard a preacher that didn't have a burden on his heart? Man, I'd rather listen to a sports announcer than a preacher that has no passion, no love. You can call it an unction, an impression, heralding the truth, some of y'all call it throwing down. It don't matter what you want to call it. Preach. Be compelled. Do it with passion. Do it like God himself has summoned you to do it. When you go in your Sunday school class, a necessity has been placed upon you to preach the word. Can I just tell you something? It didn't take long either. If I go on vacation, I've, I've been coming back on Sunday to preach because I can't stand it. You know what the hardest thing for me to do? is do have a revival. And preachers come four nights and we, I set the table for them. We pray it up. The people come. They do all this. And then them jokers get in my pulpit and preach. And y'all say, hallelujah, amen. And I'm just sitting there, yeah, amen, good grief. I'd rather be doing that. I get distressed when I can't preach because it's the, it's the button that God put on my heart. It's what wakes me up. And if I'm paid, bless the Lord. If I'm not there has been a necessity laid upon my heart. And Paul says, woe, woe to me if I don't do it. Can I tell you, when you hear a preacher and there's no fire, there's no unction, there's no necessity, then there's no calling. <clears throat> a preacher <laughs> that has to preach on Sunday, he's a sick puppy. I'd rather do this than eat. And those of you who know me know that's an important thing. That's a big statement. I'd rather do this than play golf. I'd rather do this than sleep. I've told people before, the healthiest I ever feel, the best that I ever feel, the most comfortable I ever feel being in this sinful world and in this culture and in this world as a fallen sinful man is in this pulpit listening to the Holy Spirit of God. God speaks to me and puts his power and unction on me here more than anywhere else. Interesting, in the original verse 17, he, Paul says this was, this was given to us. For if I do this willingly, I've got a reward. Watch this. But if unwillingly, I'm entrusted with a stewardship. Let me give you some good translations of that. For if I do this on my own, I have a reward. But if not on my own, I am still, entrust, I'm still entrusted with the stewardship. Let me put it in plain English. If I don't want to preach, the responsibility doesn't go anywhere. I still have to do it. The Lord put that on me. It's a stewardship. It's something. You know what stewardship is? You've been put in charge of something. God's put me in charge of this. It's, it, the root word of oikonomia is oikos. It's a house. It's rebuilding of a house. Did you know right now we're building a house? I'm building your heart right now, and you're listening, and you're getting the most out of it. It didn't matter if a man's, if he, if a man is called, he's called. God said, "I called you to do this, and I gave you a dispensation." And woe to you if you don't do it. This is what you're supposed to do. First Corinthians one eighteen. 
For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who believe it's the power of God unto salvation. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of man, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. It's about preaching. So I said, boy, Jerry, oh, brother Jerry, all you care about is preaching. Yep. Guilty. Sitting on a platform one night next to a preacher. I wasn't preaching. Choir was in the side room on the sanctuary. Six o'clock. I'm watching this preacher. Y'all watch me, this happens too. Y'all ever seen the knee? Y'all ever seen the knee? If you see that, stop talking. You know what I'm saying? This old boy was about to lose his mind. 602, 603, 604, 605. The choir always started the service, so he's waiting on the choir. And then he looked at me, he keep looking at his watch. I was like, this joker about to have a fit. Now here's what he said. I wish they would come on so we could get this over with. Let me tell y'all something. If Jeremy had the choir back there and they were getting ready to come out and I'm preaching afterwards, I'll wait till everybody's in there dead so I can preach. I went over here not too long ago to the, to the town hall meeting over there and we had outside preaching. And I told them, I said, it's fishing the rain. Are we going to preach or not? Are we staying or not? And they said, we're going on. We're going to pray the rain somewhere else. All right. And Jeremy was over there. I stood there, and nobody moved. I thought, well, if I ain't going to move, I'm going to preach. And it started pouring down rain. Next thing I know, the tents were blowing away. <laughs> and I was like, now finally I said, all right, y'all can go. And they took off running. <laughs> so I said, nobody's going to call it. The preachers wanted to preach. Yeah. A chill ran through my body when the preacher said, let's get this over with. Y'all see, I'm trying to get in everything I can. It's 1151. My time's coming to an end. See, I'm not going to get you again until next week. See, what I want to do is pour this in your heart. Y'all all right? I witnessed to a man this week that was Muslim. Y'all know what I wanted to do? In the name of Jesus, I wanted to open up his chest and jump in his heart and go with him. I have what he needs. And I filled him full of everything. I talked to him about Isaac. And Ishmael, I told him about Isaac was the son of promise, that he was on the wrong side. I told him about Jesus. How do I witness to a Muslim, Brother Jerry? Tell him about Jesus. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul has given us this invitation. The preaching of the gospel was exactly what, what was on Paul's mind. Paul says, if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. A reward. If, I, if not voluntary, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. I don't want to just distrust I just don't want to just give this away. Paul said this was entrusted to me. The Greek word, the, the, the root word of that word entrusted is the word pistuo. It's the word for faith. Literally, Paul said, God has faithed. F-A-I-T-H-E-D. God says, I faithed. I entrusted the gospel to you. The Lord has given Jerry Gray, little fellow from South Augusta, trusted me with telling you the truth. Thank you, Jesus. Do your job. There's two ways to deliver packages. I saw the UPS man, the Amazon man this week. I can use a hymn book, all right. I just use this empty box, that's better. Got the little pad, come up to the door. Amazon guy. Carol, could you sign here? Oh, thank you so much. All right. There's your Victoria's Secret stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, so. Now there's some. 
What's the best way to deliver a package? I got a package up here. The preacher comes, he's not prepared, and he just throws it out. Let's go to lunch. Or I can come and bless the Lord, think that I've got something from Jesus Christ for you. And it's going to change your life. It's going to change the preacher's life. I, I like to get convicted while I'm preaching. Y'all all right? And I'm thinking, golly, I just got myself. That's good. I don't ever get mad at myself, though. Y'all just uh, listen, watch this. And then the Lord, listen, listen to the easy-to-read version. I like this little version. If I preach because I want to, I'll get paid. But even if I don't want to, it is still something God has called me to do. That, verse 18, woe to me. The redneck preacher, theologian, says this, For a man to deny his calling to preach will cost him so much more than preaching for free. Yeah. For a man not to do his best in sacred preparation and delivery will cost him shame on the day of the Lord. I will not stand before Jesus Christ and he say, Man, you did a lousy job preaching. That's my number one job. To use the gift of preaching for anything other than preaching the gospel, building the saints, revealing the Father, and bringing glory to God is punishable and blasphemous. But you know, I want to tell you something. Paul, I, Paul says, but if I do this and do it with a good, I get a reward. Now, I wrote this down. I don't like to read, but I'm going to read this dead to you because I want you to hear pastor's heart. I have mine. If nothing comes in heaven, and it will, I have mine now. The blessings of preaching to you every week, the truths of God's word and the gospel, that's reward enough to me. I call the Holy Spirit of God as my witness today. The things that God gives me and shows me in the word of God are for your benefit and his glory but I have to say that the truth passes through my heart and my mind to you. I glean the riches of God's grace and glory in my soul. And why God has chosen me to deliver this message is beyond my human comprehension. But I will say that, understand it or not, I have loved every second of sacred preparation and preaching to the people at Woodlake Baptist Church. If I die tomorrow, I have fulfilled my life's calling. This has been the greatest life a sinful man could ever have lived. Those of you who know me know that I don't have to convince you of that. My thoughts and actions are continually seeking revealed truth from God and a perfect delivery proposition for you so that you will understand better the gospel, the word for God's glory. Oh, what a message we have in the gospel. And why did Paul do that? Look at this. Although I am a free man, I'm not anyone's slave. I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. Watch, listen for the word win four times. To the Jew I became like the Jew to win the Jews under the law like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law, to those who are without the law, like one without the law, not being without God's law, but within Christ's law, to win those without the law. Four times Paul said the reason that we do this is to win those to Christ. To the weak I became weak in order to win the weak. The word weak means impotent and sick. Y'all know anybody that needs Jesus is sick? If you'll bear with me, I'm going to finish this. Okay, we can go to chapter 10. I have become all things to all people so that I may be every possible means to save some. We could translate that win as well. Now, I do all this because of the gospel. It's the gospel. So that I may become a partner in its benefits. You see what Paul just did? See, the reason I'm doing this is to get benefits from the gospel, but not, as, not the people. Now, the last point of the sermon is the invitation. And I'm just going to read through this and comment on it, and then we'll go to chapter 10 next week. Don't you know that, that runners in a stadium all race, but only one gets the prize? Paul knew about the Greek games. Paul, Paul knew everything about all of that. And Paul was saying, these people train. 
He says, in, in, in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away. But we, a crown that will never fade away. Paul's talking about our rewards now. You see, Paul said, no matter whether the churches support me, whether they pay me, no matter what, one day the Lord will recognize what I do. Listen, here, we, we love to say this in the church. Well, it don't matter. I'm doing it for Jesus. Let me tell you something. You serve Jesus in the church with your whole heart and nobody recognizes you, it'll hurt your feelings. You have to recognize people. They're working hard. Amen? You do. And it's okay. But if nobody does, it's all right. Therefore, I do not run like one who beats aimlessly or boxes like one beating the air. Paul says, I'm not doing this for silliness. This is, this is serious. Instead, I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul says, I want to invite you. See, Paul's using the illustration. Paul's using that illustration of a runner, an athlete. And Paul says, hey, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want, I want you to discipline yourself. I want to be healthy. I want to be strong. And what's frustrating is the older I get, the harder it is to do that. But I want to be ready on Sunday morning for you. And so I don't want to be unfit. I don't want to be a castaway. Um, I, I, want to, I don't want to, be a, I want to be doing what God's called me to do when I die. Now, one of my favorite preachers, if you can find his books, uh, you read them, they're good, John Bazzano. When John Bazzano was a young man, he had heroes, preachers, so, so did I. And I've never tried to copy anyone else, but I loved, I mean, I love to hear good preachers, you know, a guy who's really, and if you're a preacher and you prepare the word, when you listen to a preacher, you know if he's prepared or not. Yeah, you know. And when I hear a guy and he's not prepared, it irritates me. I want to go bop him in the head. <laughs> so, but John Bazzano had heroes. He wrote like 20 names of these preachers in the front of his Bible. And his daddy was a preacher too. And his daddy told him, said, John, you're going you're gonna to find out something terrible. He said, these are all your heroes, but some of them are going to fall. And so... He kept that Bible, and through the years, every time one of those preachers fell and didn't finish and became a castaway and disqualified himself, he marked them off. And the last I heard, there was only like two or three preachers on the list. Gosh. Let's do what we do for the gospel. Honoring God with our body. You want to honor God with your body? Hang in there. Stay holy, as clean as you can, and do what you do for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whether we get recognized here or not, Jesus Christ, one day, you'll stand before him and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And he will bless, he will bless your socks off. Amen? All right, let's stand to our feet. Lord Jesus, thank you. Uh,